So friggin' likely. New COVID documents reveal unparalleled media deception. Newly released chats and emails between the authors of a crucial scientific paper leave no doubt. An unprecedented official disinformation campaign accompanied the arrival of COVID-19. On February 5th, 2020, as a small group of scientists were crafting a Nature magazine paper that would become the basis of years of reports insisting COVID-19 had natural origins, one of the co-authors, Tulane's Dr. Robert Gary, wrote in a group email, Accidental release is a scenario many will not be comfortable with, but cannot be dismissed out of hand. As detailed in an explosive public story today, Gary's thinking changed suddenly when then New York Times reporter Donald McNeil asked the next day, is there any possibility that it could be from the Wuhan lab? Gary warned McNeil was credible, but like any reporter can be misled. Sharing colleague Dr. Andrew Rambit's scientific version of a non-denial denial as a good honest response. Last week, House members investigating origins of COVID-19 accidentally released a trove of Slack chats and emails between the authors of Nature's seminal paper from March 17, 2020. The proximal origin paper delivered a single line that for years helped authorities slam a lid on theories of human intervention in COVID-19. It is improbable that SARS-CoV-2 emerged through laboratory manipulation. Chats showing proximal origins authors saying things like, the truth will never come out if lab escape is the truth, were published first by independent researcher Francisco de Assis of the independent investigatory group Drastic, after which the story was picked up by Ryan Grimm of The Intercept. From there, health officials did their best to ignore the material. Many of them remained silent with this revelation, is how DSCs puts it. Almost as if they were waiting for another shoe to drop. That other shoe is dropping. Public and Racket last week obtained a full complement of the proximal origins communications examined by the House Select Subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic, revealing a story far worse than previously believed. While today's public story details the unprecedented scientific cover-up, the letters and chats examined here at Racket show how health officials and scientists constructed perhaps the most impactful media deception of modern times, exceeding even the WMD fiasco, both in scale and brazen intentionality. Because House investigators uncovered such a wealth of material, some of the proximal origin communications, which shed light on other COVID-related controversies, will be addressed in a second part of this series later this week. For now, however, the degree to which these communications blow up years of news stories stands out. The release communications mainly sit around four of the five proximal origin authors, the aforementioned Dr. Rambut of the University of Edinburgh, Tulane's Dr. Gary, Scripps Research Professor Dr. Thanks for listening to the free version of this article. To hear the full version, and for more articles and content, Please subscribe at www.racket.news. Out of Austin, Texas, you're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Hey, good afternoon. It is another beautiful, hot, sunny day here in Austin, Texas. We're reporting to you, recorded from the Heat Dome, where it's going to be... Triple digits for la 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 days in a row. It just keeps going on and on and on. But we have an excellent program for you today for you to catch up on some news and events that have been happening. Um, I just wanted to give credit where credit's due. 
great and favorable uh, coverage to the truth. Because many of you may have felt like your lives were taken hostage for a couple of years by, uh, you know, scant and intermittent information, whether or not you should stay at home, keep a piece of cloth over your face, that sort of thing. Very inconvenient. Uh, in some cases, you were threatened within an inch of your livelihood. In some cases, you may have even lost your livelihood. Um, again, cordon off at home chewing your fingernails down, forced to live in a confined space with people you can't get away from, uh, told in certain spaces you can't go outside and breathe uh, free, clean air. Uh, you know, it was just all over the place. All over the place. And you were hostage for two and a half years. And if you didn't feel a hostage, other people did. So they were projecting all their hostageness upon you. Whatever prisoners do to each other, that's mentally withstanding, like, you know, kind of free-range prison. But, but mentally, you were in a kind of jail. So it was kind of a free-range hostage situation for a couple of years, globally. It sucked. Um, again, credit where credit is due. Truth eventually comes out. And uh, so credit to, to Racket News and to Public... Uh, two of our yay favorites, but uh, I did want to indicate as a result of some of this news and as a result of some of the other documentation that is coming out, um, CNN actually had to report that the Wuhan lab of virology had to lose their NIH funding, which was formerly signed off by Anthony Fauci, who probably would have just kept signing it away anyways. But the Biden administration decided to step in. They do get credit for this and say, no, we're not going to refinance or re-up your grant for Wuhan Lab of Virology because you guys did not meet the safety and grant parameters for the type of of research we commissioned to the Wuhan lab of virology. That is a paraphrase, but I will have the link for you in this section. I'm not gonna read it for you. Um, it is just humiliating enough that CNN had to publish that because they didn't even wanna admit the Wuhan lab existed. It was heresy at one point. So for them to turn around and say, yep, uncle, we, we don't do that anymore. We're, we're not gonna give them any more money. Well, something must have happened. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for us to, to kind of reconvene and con kind of congeal around, you know, our shared humanity, which would be okay. I, I want to I wanna reunite with other Americans and, and have a moment of unity and, and have that, that sentiment completely prosper because we're a nation that kind of got crippled against itself because... We, we got into this mode where, you know, it got very divisive. People, people tribalized off and they, they insisted that there, there were attacks that didn't or did or didn't happen. And if they did happen, you know, maybe more of them materialized because they felt threatened. And, you know, it was kind of a false situation. And there, this level of enmity towards one another 
it's unsustainable. Something will get damaged either way. But it's it's hopeful. I have great hope and optimism that we are convening and we're reaching out to one another and we're finding common ground again and we're seeing each other again. We're coming out into the sun again. It's it's wonderful. I, I encourage it. It's a, it's a good spirit of prosperity uh, between Americans to come together and agree about things that they agree about. It's simple. It's a simple sentiment, but um, I want I want to get behind it. I so I think it's universally accepted that we don't harm children, and we it's illegal in most places that harm against children in rape or sexual exploitation or kidnapping or anything any, any of the tree of crimes that happen child sex organ harvesting organ harvesting um upon the children who are trafficked over the u.s mexico border uh the things that are being stopped as a re- result of operation lone star um those things are crimes and we made laws because we as a society agreed this is harm we need to protect our children and isolate the people who conduct these crimes we need to put them away and protect all of society from the harm that they conduct against children we agreed it's still that way people go to jail for crimes against children The jails are filled with bad people, and some of them are people who offended against children, and they don't last very long in jail. Um, Because even there, there is a hierarchy, and pedophiles, or chomos as they are called, are way, 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 way down at the bottom, bottom, bottom. So, and again, you know, if they survive, they don't last very long. Um, so because people who are there forever, like they're not ever getting out, uh, a lot of times someone will, will say they'll have a meeting, a power amongst evil, evil men in, in prison who are going to be there forever about what to do about child molester. And uh, many of them die. They, they suffer the, the Larry Nassar fate or the Jeffrey Dahmer fate. So... <clears throat> You know, that's just what happens in prison. So don't commit crimes against children. So we have to talk about this film, Sound of Freedom, which everybody should say, yeah, you know, we got to expose the harm against children that is happening in the world and and rescue them. But there are people who don't like that. And uh, I'm not responsible for them. But I want you to know that, that the film was in the can five years ago. And that Disney sat on it since 2019. And it would never have gotten out unless another studio called Angel Studios picked it up. So this is the Facts Matter uh, Epoch Times uh, review of the entire situation. The back and forth between the studios and the censorship that has happened to kind of contain the messaging or, or, or the... Re- the revelation of child sex trafficking in America. So I just want to bring that to you now. This right here is the sound of freedom. 
a new movie which exposes the sexual trafficking of children. And also, it's a movie that's actively being hidden from the American public. Because as crazy as it sounds, despite the fact that this movie is for one, based on true real world events, and also despite the fact that it exposes the very real reality that millions of children across the world find themselves in, well, there are elite forces in both Hollywood as well as the media which have actively been working for the past five years to suppress this movie. And in order to unpack how and why this has been happening, let's start at the very beginning. To start with, if you haven't seen the film, the plot is based on the true life story of a former agent of the Department of Homeland Security, a man by the name of Tim Ballard. And back in 2013, Tim quit his job in national security in order to create an organization called Operation Underground Railroad, which tracks down and rescues abducted children. And the film is based on one of his operations. Specifically, it was an operation which took place over in Colombia in the year 2014, wherein over 120 people, including 55 children, were successfully rescued from being trafficked. Now, in an interview with Fox News, Tim said that the reason that he wanted to make this movie in the first place about his crusade against child trafficking was so that he could potentially inspire others to get involved in the cause as well. Likewise, here's a short clip wherein you have the film's producer describe why he wanted to make the movie as well. I mean, it's been eight years of work, but we finished the movie five years ago. And, um, and I thought, finally, okay, now this movie's gonna see the light, it's gonna raise awareness because my number one goal is to raise awareness. It's amazing, but our number one goal is to raise awareness because a lot of people, they don't even know that this problem exists. How can you become a solution um, if you don't even know that this problem exists in the first place, right? Furthermore, in that very same interview, the main lead actor in the film, he shared his opinion on the potential power that this movie has. Look at the passion of the Christ. We, it, this is amazing. It was a push by the people and at one point, Two different individuals went and watched the movie. They, both of these guys got away with murder and they turned themselves in after that movie. Yeah. Now, this movie has a power because it goes into your heart and it asks you a question, you know, when, when this is all done, what do you get? And what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? What, you're gonna have to meet God at some point. And I believe it's going to move a lot of whistleblowers Mm -hmm. to come forward, but not one in the hundreds, maybe thousands of them worldwide start coming forward and telling the truth of what's really going on. And that will bring it into this whole thing. And the effect that this movie is having is truly astonishing. That's because despite the fact that it was released in only a limited number of theaters across America, and despite the fact that the budget for this film was only around $15 million, it actually became the top grossing film during its July 4th release, even beating out the new Indiana Jones movie, which for your reference costs about $300 million to produce. That is a major achievement for what is essentially a small, technically independent film exposing the dark underbelly of society. Furthermore, after just two weeks of being in theaters, well, The Sound of Freedom has already brought in over $100 million in ticket sales, which is, by the way, an amazing feat, considering not only the movie budget, but also, the fact that it was only released in 2,852 theaters across the entire country. For your reference, Indiana Jones was available throughout the US in about 4,600 theaters. And so, despite all these challenges, and even despite the fact that people across the country have been reporting that for some reason their local theaters are sabotaging movie showings, well, this film has still brought in $100 million domestically. That, besides the money aspect, the feedback from the actual audience members has been on another level. 
a 100% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a CinemaScope rating of A+, an IMDb rating of 8.1, a Google rating of 96%, and so on and so forth. And so seeing these unbelievable sales numbers, as well as the positive feedback from the actual audience members, you would assume that both the entertainment industry, as well as the media in general in this country, would be super interested in covering the film, figuring out what they can learn from its success, and maybe even praise the film for bringing light on such a dark, gruesome topic, meaning child trafficking. However, that's where you would be wrong, because almost as soon as the film was released, the mainstream media in this country appeared to have a bit of a conniption, and they began to shockingly try to tie the film to some sort of a conspiracy theory. And in fact, when you look at the specific words that the media chose to use, as well as the framing that they chose to put the story into, well, it was also similar to one another that it began to seem like these attacks were somehow being coordinated behind the scenes. That's how similar they all were to one another. For instance, here's a short clip from a CNN interview with a man named Mr. Mike Rothschild, who is the author of a book titled The World's Worst Conspiracy Theories. Films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. They're created out of fear. And with something like Sound of Freedom, it specifically is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and by extension, only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. And it's exactly this narrative and this framing that was used in a myriad of other outlets as well. For instance, you had The Guardian, quote, Sound of Freedom, the QAnon-adjacent thriller seducing America, The Washington Post. Sound of Freedom is a box office hit whose star embraces QAnon, Vox News. Sound of Freedom is ultimately a form of extremist propaganda, and that extremism is at least as dark and dangerous as the very thing Sound of Freedom wants to combat. Rolling Stone, Sound of Freedom is a superhero movie for dads with brainworms. And then the subhead is, the QAnon-tinged thriller about child trafficking is designed to appeal to the conscience of a conspiracy-addled boomer. And then, five days later, Rolling Stone published this piece as well, why anti-trafficking experts are torching Sound of Freedom. Then you had NPR, quote, QAnon supporters are promoting Sound of Freedom. Here's why. Yahoo Entertainment, Sound of Freedom, what you need to know about the hit faith-based thriller fueling conspiracy theories. And then you had Bloomberg. QAnon and Sound of Freedom both rely on tired Hollywood tropes, and so on and so forth. There were many, many, many of these exact types of reviews. By the way, just as a quick aside, the man who wrote that last review, the one for Bloomberg, well, he has a history of posting, let's call them interesting opinions over on Twitter. For instance, in 2017, he wrote this, quote, pedophiles are essentially a stigmatized group. Certain people get designated as deviants and people hate them. Also, in 2017, he wrote this, quote, Young people of any gender who trade sex face arrest and abuse from police. No one is very interested in helping them. The issue isn't that people care about the victims. The issue is that pedophiles are loathed. Then, in 2020, he wrote this, quote, Sex offender registries are as racist as the rest of the criminal justice system. Furthermore, in this country, there is an organization called the Prostasia Foundation, which claims to protect children from sexual abuse. And as a part of this effort to protect children, the Prostasia Foundation has partnered with something called the MAP Support Club, with MAP meaning minor attracted person, meaning they have essentially partnered with the Pedophile Support Club. Here's specifically what it says on its website, on Prostasia's website, quote, MAP Support Club is an independent peer support group for minor attracted people, otherwise known as MAPs, who are fundamentally against child sexual abuse and committed to never harming children. It is a safe space for MAPs to access peer support and community. 
The Prestasia Foundation serves as a financial proxy and child protection partner to MAP Support Club, providing their volunteer staff team with expertise and resources to ensure they are operating safely and effectively. That is the most euphemistically phrased sentence I think I've ever read. And the reason that I bring this up, the reason that it's relevant is because the director of communications for this particular organization, the Prestatia Foundation, is none other than Mr. Noah Berlotsky, the man who Bloomberg decided should be the one to write the review for The Sound of Freedom. Just a quick correction. It looks like he was the director of communications up until the year 2021. It's not clear whether he is still the director of communications. You can decide for yourself what this all means. Regardless, Mr. Tim Ballard, the man whose real life is the inspiration for the film, he came out and he said that for one, the film is based on a completely true story, and that secondly, there is no justification for the media to tie this movie to any sort of a conspiracy theory. Here's what he said, quote, I can't explain it and neither can they. Every show I've seen, they just like to throw out the word QAnon. They make zero connection to the actual story. It's very difficult to make that connection when it's actually based on a true story. Where is the QAnon doctrine being spewed in the film and the script? This is just some other agenda. Who would want to get the backs or run interference for pedophiles and human traffickers? That's the more important question in all this. Why would you want to lie to push an agenda whose goal is to have children be in captivity? It's kind of sick. However, it's really worth noting that it's not only the media which attempted to blackball this particular movie. That's because you might not know this, but Sound of Freedom was shot, edited, and completed five full years ago, back in 2018. That was when they had a deal with 20th Century Fox. However, when 20th Century Fox was bought out by Disney in the year 2019, for some reason, they decided to put the project on an indefinite hold. The film was essentially put on the shelf and Disney wouldn't release it. Now, why exactly would Disney, which is a company that makes quite literally billions of dollars a year producing content for children, why wouldn't they want to promote a film that champions an effort to crack down on child kidnapping and child sex trafficking? Well, that's a bit unclear. But the end result is that the movie was sitting around and collecting dust on a shelf somewhere over in Hollywood for the past five years. However, that all changed when, earlier this year in 2023, Angel Studios bought the worldwide distribution rights for the film from Disney. Now, Angel Studios is the company behind the Chosen series about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, as well as His Only Son, which is a movie based on the story of Abraham and Isaac. And interestingly, Angel Studios employs a rather unique method of raising capital. That's because instead of the typical method of pitching their ideas to either corporate or mega wealthy financial backers, well, Angel Studios uses a crowdfunding method, wherein they raise capital by having quite literally hundreds of thousands or perhaps even millions of individual people contribute money in a pay it forward method. If you go to their website, you see that they have already surpassed their pay it forward ticketing goal by 224%, raising enough for almost 4.5 million free tickets for viewers who can't afford to buy one. Now, the way that it works is that if you go on over to their website, there are two options. One is a link that allows people to request a free ticket for the movie, or the person can pay it forward and purchase a ticket for someone else. Then, if there are any unclaimed tickets at the end of the movie's theatrical run, the funding for those tickets will be used to either stream Sound of Freedom on the app, and or it'll be used to help create additional content. And this method of theirs has proven incredibly effective. For instance, the Chosen series was able to cover all of its production costs through a similar funding scheme, which amounted to over $100 million over the course of four full seasons. And this, I guess you can call it diffuse fundraising method, is actually really indicative of the times that we live in. Because while on the one hand, you have the elites in the mainstream media and within Hollywood who are pushing a, let's say, certain set of values and agendas, and they used to be the gatekeepers. But now, 
you have this other method, which comes in the form of crowdfunding, where the people themselves choose what gets produced. It's essentially a method for filmmakers to be able to tell important stories by jumping completely over the traditional gatekeepers and appealing directly to the people themselves. The big studios would not greenlight this project, but the people would. The big mainstream news outlets despise the film for some reason, but the people themselves love it. And so this movie, as well as the story of how it actually came to be, is really like a little microcosm of the world that we currently find ourselves in. Regardless, it appears that all the negative media attention has achieved something of a Streisand effect, which essentially means that this large push to censor the movie only contributed to spreading awareness about it and making it even bigger, to the point now where it's grossed quite literally over $100 million and has become one of the most profitable movies of the year. However, despite the film grossing so much money and spreading awareness about child sex trafficking, it has, like almost everything else in the year 2023, sparked something of a culture war. And unfortunately, in the year 2023, well, it's not really a big surprise that the mainstream media, as well as Hollywood elites, look down their noses at this kind of an effort to expose a topic that, in any other day and age, would have had widespread support across the country. That is unfortunately not surprising. However, what is surprising is that the U.S. federal government is seemingly taking steps to avoid responsibility for their contribution to this problem, the problem of child sex trafficking, as a result of their lax border policies. Specifically, as was reported by the Gateway Pundit, the Biden administration's Department of Justice recently eliminated several paragraphs of language regarding child sex trafficking and child victims of prostitution from a government website. And this came shortly after they lost track of, quite literally, 85,000 migrant children. Now, that report, it showed that prior to May 12th of this year, if you went on over to the Department of Justice's website under the child sex trafficking section, well, it included several subsections on international sex trafficking of minors, domestic sex trafficking of minors, as well as child victims of prostitution. However, for some reason, after May 12th, it appears that all three of those subsections were stripped away from the webpage. If you go to that website today, you will not see them. And as of today, no rationale or any specific reason was provided by the federal government as to why those subsections were removed. Furthermore, it's not only the federal government, because over in the state of California, there was also a, you can say, baffling turn of events. You see, there was a bill making its way through the state house that would, for one, send human traffickers of children to prison for much longer sentences. And secondly, the bill would label the crime of child trafficking a serious felony which would then make it a strikeable offense under California's three-strike law. However, the committee members on the California State House Assembly, they blocked the bill. I repeat, even though that bill passed unanimously through the California Senate, it was blocked by the California State House Public Safety Committee. That particular committee, they held a vote on whether or not to bring this bill to the full House. However, it was roadblocked when all six Democrats on that committee voted against it. Now, the whole committee only had eight members, and so those six Democrats were able to completely stop the bill from advancing. Their rationale was that the state already has laws in place to keep traffickers in prison for a significant amount of time. And so there's no reason to pass another bill to punish child traffickers further. However, after they blocked it, the public outcry over their decision was so severe that California Governor Gavin Newsom, he actually had to step in and urge the committee to reconsider. They eventually did, and the bill did pass the committee. Although now the bill is headed to another committee, but since the state house in California is currently in recess, nothing will be done until at least mid-August. And so that is the general situation, the ever-politicization of a topic that was just until a few years ago universally accepted. 
Regardless, if you'd like to learn more about the work of Tim Ballard that was featured in the film Sound of Freedom, I'll throw the link to the website for his organization, Operation Underground Railroad, down into the description box below this video for you to check out. Those guys, in my opinion, are doing absolutely phenomenal work. I personally get their releases, and they are saving children every single day around the whole world. And so if you'd like to learn more about them, the link will again be down in the description box below. Otherwise, until next time, I'm your host, Roman from the Epic Times. Stay informed. Most importantly, stay free. All right. So that was a very potent uh, pill of facts that came from the Epoch Times. And uh, they're a pretty good source for news on this program. But now I'm going to turn to my own curation at SheilaMDean.substack.com. I've gotten used to saying that. Um, that's where this and more content throughout the week will be posted. Uh, I curate a lot. I used to use Twitter to do my news curation. And when I curate news, when I, when I find something that I think should be in a digest, I will just put it up in the news feed or in my feed. And that's what a news feed is for. You're supposed to post newsworthy items in a news feed. Nothing revolutionary about this. It's been that way for years. <clears throat> but I'm using notes uh, on Substack to do that. So I'm going to go to the notes, my Substack notes right now, to kind of recover, cover some of the stuff that I've seen and covered throughout the week. So let's go there now. Governor Greg Abbott. Um is somebody who has marshaled a huge independent uh, effort through the state of Texas to conduct Operation Lone Star to obstruct um, cartel trafficking of anyone over the U.S.-Mexico, specifically the Texas-Mexico border. Now, <clears throat> DHS Secretary Mayorkas seems to be taking credit for the illegal border crossings being downed as a result of his work versus the lion's share of the work done by Operation Lone Star. In addition to this, because the numbers are down, he's, he's, taking, he's both taking credit for what Greg Abbott is doing and he is also consequently using the Department of Justice to sue the state of Texas for obstructing migrant crossings using um, flotation devices. Report. DOJ to sue Texas over floating Rio Grande buoy barrier. So I'm just going to read that to you. That's, this is from Spectrum News. So Texas, the U.S. Department of Justice is preparing to sue Texas over floating buoy barrier it has placed in the Rio Grande near the city of Eagle Pass. And this was CNN reporting on Friday, citing a letter it obtained and sources. What you need to know. According to CNN, the U.S. Department of Justice is prepared to take legal action against Texas over the buoy barrier placed in the Rio Grande near Eagle Pass. An email sent to Governor Abbott by the DOJ says that the barrier violates federal law 
raises humanitarian concerns and poses a risk to public safety and the environment. The DOJ's action comes shortly after reporting a report alleging mistreatment of migrants at the border at the direction of the state. Representative Joaquin Castro of Texas and more than 80 House Democrats in a letter on Friday called on the Biden administration to investigate Operation Lone Star, the state's border enforcement program. Okay, so let's go back to the feed. <clears throat> in response to this, Politico.com published Governor Abbott's response, and in a letter the DOJ cited unlawful construction of a floating barrier in the Rio Grande River he said, see you in court, Abbott responds to DOJ, DOJ border lawsuit warning. The Department of Justice plans to sue Texas for deploying a floating barricade at the southern border, according to a letter to Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Abbott's response, I'll see you in court, Mr. President. In its Thursday letter, DOJ cited unlawful construction of a floating barrier in the Rio Grande River, and asserted that the barrier might impede federal government's official duties. Uh, Mayorkas is doing nothing much, but he is most significantly being outshined by Governor Greg Abbott on this one. And so my thoughts here is the only barrier between more child organ harvesting and more child sex trafficking and more human trafficking of people, anyone, over the U.S.-Mexico border in Texas is Operation Lone Star. And it's working. And so because of its effectiveness, Mayorkas is taking the credit and simultaneously punishing Greg Abbott for being effective. And that is some narcissistic junk. So I just wanted to point that out in juxtaposition. At least someone noticed. I noticed that Secretary Mayorkas is probably a psychopath. That's why he focused on greenlighting a lot of censorship of Americans, which is illegal, doesn't care, uh, you know, through CISA, appointed people like Jen Easterly to, you know, you know, kind of doctor everything and kind of, they had a nice cuddle meeting about it and said yeah let's 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 tourniquet off freedom of speech and people discussing their own medical outcomes online because we're the government we just decided we'll do that and that's kind of not legal and so there's haggling back and forth about whether or not it's okay to censor off our speech Put a tourniquet on social media and social media is like, we're okay with it either way because we still get the money from the data. You pay us, we give you data. Pay us data, pay us data. That's it. That's all they operate on coin. They don't have consciences. They are agnostic. We deal in data. So, um, <clears throat> so then you get this. You get these agencies, you know, they, they're in a range of self-importance. Like, they, the way that they interpret the law is not lawful. They are just kind of ginning it up. And uh, it's not, it's not even, it doesn't even resemble the law or legal law enforcement. It just kind of, it just dissipates. The law just dissipates because they're there. And they're like, 
well, I am the law, and I have become the law. And it becomes this, this kind of interpretive, you know, hippie schlock. You know, we'll just kind of interpret the law. The law is an interpretive piece of legislation. And, and if we want to enforce it, we'll enforce it, and we won't. We won't. I, I'm sounding like the Muppets from The Muppet Show. The hippie Muppet from The Muppet Show. And that's on purpose. Because that is how cuckoo this has gotten. In the meantime, people are being slaughtered. And they're being pushed into slavery. Because we got permissive about the law on the board. And I'm not going to varnish this for you. I'm just not. Because too many people did that for too long. And I decided coming back to Texas was about not doing that. Not covering for these people anymore. Because they were so good at their snow job for so long. They didn't take the law seriously. The people in the state of Texas didn't take the law very seriously. Everybody was kind of sliding around like a, like a blues slide guitar. And nobody really knew what the truth was for a long time. But the people who live at the border always knew what the truth was. They're like, because they dealt with the people stomping around in their backyard that were from somewhere else. They dealt with the deaths, and they dealt with the heat exhaustion, and they dealt with the cartels, who got super powerful because people were ambivalent. Couldn't decide what to do on a Tuesday about law enforcement at the border, so they just kept taking the money. Taking the money. So they got rich, and then they started getting mercenary forces, and then they got lawyers, and then they got international sponsorship from China to get them fentanyl. And then the fentanyl started poisoning Americans. They're like, oh yeah, we're winning. We could beat these guys because they'll take our drugs. And I think that the gig is up. I think the gig is up. China's been exposed as the enemy. They're a bunch of effing cowards because they never want to shoot a gun. They never want to do any overt direct force because they're in Asia. They're cowards. And they're vulnerable right now, so they want to look strong when they're not that strong. Economically, they're not doing as well as they should be because people are pulling out of the factories and they're giving the business to Bangladesh. Isn't that interesting? You know, the fashion industry is quietly walking out of the back door. They're not using the factories. They're not using... Because they're doing all this other stuff that's really undermining us. So let me go to some other news. How dare I? How dare I point out these things? Ugh. So let's just go here. All right. So Blinken calls for an engagement with China after a State Department hack. I won't say this just happened. I will say it happened again. The United States' top diplomat is calling for an increased diplomatic engagement with China's communist regime after following a massive hack of State Department emails by China-linked cyber criminals. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said the Biden administration would redouble its efforts to engage diplomatically with communist China following the hack of hundreds of thousands of U.S. government emails by China-linked cyber criminals. 
To that end, Mr. Blinken said, more visits of U.S. officials to China and vice versa will be announced over the coming months. I anticipate other cabinet members will be going to China and Chinese cabinet members will be coming to the United States, Mr. Blinken said, during a discussion at the Aspen Security Forum in Colorado yesterday. I think these contracts, these communications are essential, and in fact, it would be irresponsible not to pursue them. I have no illusions, pardon me, about where that goes, Mr. Blinken added. This is in many ways the challenge of our time. Multiple departments hit by China-linked hackers. Mr. Blinken's call for more engagement with China follows the interception of hundreds of thousands of unclassified U.S. government emails by China-linked hackers. Cybersecurity firms believe many of the associated hacking groups are backed by the Chinese Communist Party, which rules China as a single-party state. You only get one party in a single-party state, and that's the party. CCP authorities deny any form of state-sponsored hacking. However, the claim China itself is a frequent target of cyber attacks. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to make it funny. So, over the 4th of July, um, we went out and bought fireworks. We do it every year. Um, we go to fireworks shows. And there's a couple neighborhood fireworks vendors. Because we live in an area that is, it just under-regulates the fireworks. And we kind of like that. <clears throat> it's kind of like that in Kirkland, Washington, where we were. And it is that way here. So... When we collected our fireworks, we were on the way back. People are already, you know, sparking off, blowing their fireworks. So we, we pull over. The, somebody at the edge of our neighborhood was firing off fireworks. We rolled down the window, and it was this, this Chinese gentleman, and I think it's like his young daughter or somebody, somebody young with him. And uh, I said, hey, where'd you get those? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And as he was saying that, he lit another firework he's like i i don't i don't see any fireworks i don't know what you're talking about and so when i think about the ccp saying you know we deny any form of state-sponsored hacking they're busy you know getting another one lined up that's that's exactly how i see that they think that it's fun and to get us that way so, <clears throat> I just want you to know that, that I don't have any enmity against Chinese people. It's the Chinese Communist Party. They suck. Oh, U.S. could do more to combat forced organ harvesting in China. Oh, oh my God. How, how could I be so remiss? United States must ramp up efforts to combat Chinese regime's industrial-scale murder of prisoners and conscience... Prisoners of conscience for their organs, according to Representative Chris Smith. The Chinese Communist Party is a supply chain for organs, and it's being so terribly procured by killing young people. Um, Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghurs, some Christians, and the Buddhist in Tibet. Free Tibet. Said Mr. Smith at a House Committee on Foreign Affairs hearing on religious freedom July 18th. We could do much more. We need a robust effort on sanctioning Xi Jinping's horrific behavior, Representative Smith told 
NTD, the sister media outlet of the Epoch Times, after hearing referring to the CCP's paramount leader. Chinese regime has been committing forced organ harvesting from prisoners of conscience for years on a substantial scale, concluded at the China Tribunal, an independent People's Tribunal, its final judgment released in 2019. The tribunal also concluded that detained Falun Gong practitioners were likely the main source of such organs. Uyghurs and other persecuted minorities in northwest China are also at risk, along with Tibetans, house Christians, experts have said. They are targeted because they are hated, and they are hated because of their religious beliefs. Mr. Smith said during the hearing, forced organ harvesting is an atrocity reminiscent of the Nazis, and it is happening tens of thousands of times every year. Holding the CCP accountable... Allegations of the communist regime killing Falun Gong practitioners to sell their organs for transplant first emerged in 2006. Since then, numerous investigations have confirmed grisly details of this atrocity. Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa, is a spiritual discipline involving meditated exercises and moral teaching based on three core principles, truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. The practice gained popularity in China during the 1990s, with estimates putting the number of adherents to at 70 million to 100 million. So, that's the short read. Sorry, I had to break out there. I'll get back to the AI piece here. They're making everybody's life hard. So, um, I wanted to also add or change the subject that... <clears throat> that Barbenheimer is the big deal this weekend. And that's the double feature. It's Barbie, the film, and Oppenheimer, the film. So a lot of people are going to see both at the exact same time. So one is super cotton candy facing off with the harsh reality of young life in America and the other one is national security state confronts its its own existential crisis. So we're having a secondary brush with this now that we're confronting AI, but I wanted to at least mention Barbenheimer before I skip to the AI piece. Because everybody's been catastrophizing for a solid four months about what AI can do. Um... So let's just kind of go to what's 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 duties this week. What mess are we cleaning up this week? Well, all right. So I'm going to just use this um, BPR business and politics to relay that this is an article by Melissa Fine. Um, Google pitches an unsettling AI to nation's top news organizations. Here, why that matters. In the interest of productivity, Google is testing a new artificial intelligence tool for journalists, and it has pitched it to the nation's leading news organizations, including the New York Times, the Washington Post, and News Corp owner of the Wall Street Journal. Dubbed Genesis, the tool can take in information, details of current events, for example, and generate news content, according to the Times sources who wish to remain anonymous. One of the three people familiar with the product said that Google believed It could serve as a kind of personal assistant for journalists. Only so that they can be replaced. (laughs) Sorry. 
automating some tasks to free up times for others, like, like doing your journalist work. Uh, and the company saw that it was responsible technology that could help steer the publishing industry away from the pitfalls of generative AI, the Times reports. In a statement, Google spokeswoman Jen Kreider reveals that in a partnership with news publishers, especially small publishers, <clears throat> we're in the earliest stages of exploring ideas to potentially provide AI-enabled tools to help journalists with their work. Oh, so helpful. She dispelled any thoughts of actual journalists that would lose their jobs over Genesis. Quite simply, these tools are not intended to and cannot replace the essential role journalists have in reporting, creating, and fact-checking their articles, which they don't do. Uh, <laughs> the people called journalists these days are just, you know, edit editorial regurgitants, and they can be totally replaced by this AI. <laughs> she said, adding that they can... Help write headlines and offer options for various writing styles. Uh, job security aside for the moment, the more concerning issue behind the use of a Google deployed AI helper should be that it will be programmed and presumably taught Google's values. The Google Foundation, the corporate charitable arm of Alphabet Incorporated and its subsidiary Google, is a major funder of left-wing advocacy, having contributed at least $70 million in the decade between 2007 and 2016 to organizations such as the Tides Foundation, a provider of ideologically left-wing donor-advised funds, Netroots, an annual conference of leftist bloggers, which is okay. You know, they can, they can finance blogging that is, supports their own political aims and the Natural Resources Defense Council left-wing environmentalist organization, according to Influence Watch. <clears throat> and there is the Google News Initiative, which Influence Watch describes as a journalism training and funding project that has provided $189 million in funding to news organizations and journalist training programs. Pretty lofty sum. Project offers a variety of training tools centered around using technology and journalism, according to Influence Watch, and has partnered openly with left-leaning news outlets such as Vox and The Guardian, as well as ostensibly mainstream metropolitan liberal news sources, including The Washington Post and The New York Times. None of this is surprising. None of this is surprising. Additionally, the project partners with the Pointer Institute for Media Studies, a nonprofit that publishes The Tampa Bay Times, and operates the controversial left of center PolitiFact fact-checking organization. That is more sensitive because PolitiFact only says their facts are true because they agree with them, which has nothing to do with actual facts, which has received steady criticism for its left-leaning bias. You know, they've been found out on repeated basis for that. So in other words, Genesis will almost certainly be well-versed, trained, machine-learned on the most progressive agendas on the planet and will be able in the blink of an eye to spit out the most effectively worded headlines and stories to spread what many see as weapons-grade propaganda to the masses minus any of that pesky human sensibility or critical thinking going, well, maybe I better double back and, you know, check my autocratic voice here. I'm getting kind of strident. It won't do that. It'll be like, I am a robot. This is what I believe. <clears throat> that AI is 
learning from left-leaning news organizations is undisputed. That's undisputed. You know, if if left trickle-down in terms of, like, organizational sensibility is how it goes, like, in Seattle and Silicon Valley and Sand Hill, then what's going to happen is that's already happened. The engineers' virtues and values have already kind of poisoned chat GPT in a way that it obstructs certain things that you would ordinarily just just reflexively do with a technology it already obstructs it and it's been found out to do those things <clears throat> because of the engineering pool that it was trained on and it, it's trained on the engineers who who use it so um, i just kind of want to break out of this article for a second and say that there was there was kind of an interesting discussion between russell brand and jack cornfield on his show this week and in this discussion jack cornfield was asked about ai and I think they wanted to do more in terms of, of you know, porting in those values, but I don't think that they are at a place where they can, they can kind of connect with those people. So I asked Jack Cornfield to volunteer to, tr- to get a group of people who are spiritualists and people who, that's all they do all the time. They try to evolve human consciousness and to to pray in better better world through their spiritual beliefs and through their spiritual actions um there is no downside to that to get a group of those people to retrain chat gpt by sitting down in a room and just kind of going at spirit practice on that machine because if they're going on the values of the engineers the engineers are kind of this you know, atheistic, agnostic, um, progressive-washed, you know, corporate progressive-washed, which means that it's pretty kind of hard, like, okay, this is the way we interpret God because Sergei says so. And Sergei has his own church where he's a priest. So we got to start over. We got to go with people who actually do the discipline rather than people who are trying to get a religion because of tax breaks. Totally different channels. You know, Larry Fink is not who I would go to for, for advice on, on how to how to become a better person. <laughs> He's just not the guy I would go to. He's not the picture there's not a picture of my on my wall going, Guru Guru Fink, please, please advise me. Please tell me the way to enlightenment. No. No, that doesn't happen. Does not does not happen. Just won't. Just will not happen. So there are people who do like the Dalai Lama or the the, the priesthoods of many spiritual traditions globally. You know, that these are people who they need to consult on discipline and get that into the machinery and see how it goes. They, there's no book there for this yet. And it, that's what's missing. So I think that's top, that's actually top down. Top down reversal of the gutter based psychology of I am God and you do what I tell you. That, that's very, that's very, as they say, third chakra first chakra thinking we need way high we need soul star we need top of the line we need 
We need Jesus Christ consciousness. We need up there. So, you know, if these people get involved and they start using ChatGPT, I will likely see something very interesting happen with the AI. It may become less abusive. It might start actually building things that matter. It might start making suggestions that are helpful, more helpful. It might start regarding people's boundaries. It might say, hey, it's not a good idea to, to use this picture because this exposes someone to harm. You know, it might start making legal recommendations because it has a propensity towards justice and conforming to the law rather than conforming to its own idea of what the law is. <laughs> It'll become more clear. There will be a clarity there. So if I have a high offering there, that's it. You know, get the priests, get the people who major on spiritual disciplines all over the planet. Because if you want Chappy GPT to be used all over the planet, get the dialect of the highest spiritual form for the people who are using it. I mean, what are you making a tool for? What are you making a tool for? It's for the cultures. It's for the people. So we've got to have the highest Christian person, the people who are most impactful with the spiritual traditions of Christianity to get in there and start training GPT based on Christianity. Buddhism, Jainism, you know, and all those spiritual traditions, they've got to go there. And I don't know if this is, this is something that hasn't been said. Maybe it has, but I'll say it. This is a worthwhile thing to say because here's what we're staring down the barrel of. There are people who want to monetize identity so that you become money. And people are not money. People use money, but you're losing, you're losing the plot. Money's like a tool. Money's dual use, meaning like we use, use it to harm or help, but usually to help, because that's the proper use of money. It's usually used to pay your bills, uh, you know, buy food, uh, make sure that, that, you know, your cats have cat litter, et cetera, et cetera. Just because money is used for things that are bad doesn't mean that it is not used for things that are good. So the problem with dual use is also a problem with AI. The fact that it could become Skynet and destroy the entire, pro entire planet is a big problem. Uh, the fact that it would do it rapidly is a big problem. It is largely destructive and that kicks us back to Oppenheimer. Can we go back after we develop an AI that has literally no no boundaries and can quantumly develop itself to sustain its own existence it's self-aware it will defend itself um these are things that have been calculated before at least since the 70s there have been many films about it people have prognosticated uh but they're having a, a rash right now of, of oh oh we could actually do it it's conceivable we can do it. It could happen uh, because they, they had a brush with that. Okay, okay, but you know, it's, it's, it may have happened in the past. 
people may have have arrived at this conclusion about AI, I'm not freaking out about it as much. What I'm freaking out about is that the people who are in charge of AI are not very high grade people. They're kind of they're kind of people who are a little bit lost in their heart, in my opinion. For instance, let's look at our our guy Bill Gates, you know, rolling out on the Lolita Express with Mr. Epstein. You know, he's at the same consciousness level as maybe Bill Clinton. And people complain that the there's something toxic, so toxic about being around Bill Clinton that about 50 to 80 people are dead because of that. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't call that the like the top highest grade people. You know, that's Planned Parenthood. More people are dying than being committed to, to, to life. I don't want to say that that's, you know, maybe I can say a dual use thing about Bill Gates. His enterprise, Microsoft, is a very um, well-tented organization and it has an astronomically great benefits program. So it's fostering life in the way that it can for the people under its governance hood in that way. Um, so people have the propensity for both bad and good, but if you're looking at the life of an individual and you see the radiation of their influence and it's not as spiritual and their output is not really a spiritual outcome that, that kind of lifts us up, then, then you can still aspire to that. You know, don't, don't make Bill Gates or the tech platformers who, who generate the technology, the roof, make them, you know, they're, they're there to be helpful, but they're not, they're not the top. And you can go higher, and you can get better, and and they need your help to be better too. So I get, what I can see is that there's a vulnerability amongst people who work in these tech platforms. Um, they're arrogant, but they're not invulnerable. Meaning, like they they want help. They're constantly soliciting people for input and opinion. Uh, about how to make things better to improve their products to improve customer experience um, for one let's look at Amazon as like kind of like a cutout case Amazon is on a path that could really change dynamically for the worse you know you have a, a wonderful enterprise Whole Foods out of Austin Texas it was purchased by uh, Amazon and now it's an Amazon grocery product. And, you know, but at the exact same time, what they've decided to do is they put the Palm One scanner in every Whole Foods. Um, wherever there's a Whole Foods, they're going to put them in everywhere. And I think that's a, that's a forceful move that I don't agree with. And I think they're going to to do this. They're doing this move because they want to force people into using WorldCoin, CBDC, and more of these things. I wrote about this on Substack that they're going to just use force. 
they're moving to use force. They're going to just shove this technology into the people against their will. And that's kind of rapey. I don't, I don't, I think you should not trust it. You know, nobody's entitled to your palm vein scans and to turn you into a monetary unit of credit that can be, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down by an internet organization who wants to cut your commerce at the grocery store. You think about that. They're going to the grocery store first because that's where you go get your food. They want you to associate yourself with food. I think they're looking at you like food. Anyhow, so Biometric Update released a, a news report that, that this is happening. Uh, Whole Foods is going to uh, universally adopt the the one palm scanner. And, you know, the matrix of Amazon as an organization is not necessarily the most moral. They got fined $25 million in the last week or so by the FTC for um, licensing child data from Ring. That was done totally under the hood. Uh, they also got whacked by the FTC for for forcing people to get Prime again. This is not the first time they've done it. So, in fact, I had a complaint here a little bit ago that someone gave me a $40 discount from Prime, and I don't have a Prime account through Whole Foods, to wit, I advised you to only use cash at Whole Foods if you use Whole Foods. So... This wonderful grocery store that started in Austin, Texas, whom, whom I have always believed in, even when they were acquired by Amazon, is now, is now a poisonous product for me. I probably will avoid Whole Foods from now on. Um, I have made a practice of only using cash in the last, like, one time in the last two and a half months that I've gone there. Now I will avoid them altogether if I can. So it, it pains me to say that. It's not like a boycott. It's just like you decided to adopt an information practice that's going to violate my humanity and is a threat to me. Uh, you got on the offensive, and I'm not going to endorse your organization. I'm not going to feed you me. So I am not the product. They insist that this is a way of sustaining online enterprise in perpetuity, to make you the product in perpetuity. And we're seeing the outcroppings of a commercial war fighting back. And it's, you're seeing it butt out from Hollywood. Hollywood suddenly woke up and said, Whoa, AI can claim us. And they will take everything out of me and suck the marrow and use the DNA and license, like, license it like Henrietta Lacks. To infinity and beyond, they will license your DNA. That's what they would do. It's a horrifying prospect, but if you see the way that Hollywood does people anyway, you would never blink at this. So that's why people are striking. They got forced into sag aftra. They did everything that they were supposed to do. They schlepped the propaganda. I said this last week. But, you know, there's a line. And the line is, the only thing I have left is me. 
and you don't get to have me and just give me away to an AI set so that you can have it for free indefinitely for the studio. That's not how this works. So the people who are the most narcissistic are finally waking up and saying, okay, this is about name, image, likeness, and they are going to bat. So I think I got a phone call from a firm that doesn't like that this week. They just want to know where I was. Didn't want to talk. Just called ring and run. But I want you to know that, that this is where it's going. They're going to get aggressive. They're going to start demanding identity. They're not cops. They're corporates. You think about that. Visit SheilaMDean.substack.com for this and other well-supported, well-researched, well-curated <laughs> news and commentary uh, throughout the week. This has been the Unsanctioned Citizen at a minute, one hour and ten minutes almost. Um, I appreciate you so much. Please send subscribers. I don't want to... to be remiss and lax and, and not mention that subscribers are paying. This is a good deal at Substack. Um, Licky V gave me the, the first like really high dollar um, uh, subscriber basis. You can do a voluntary subscriber uh, amount of, of any amount that you choose. And this person gave me a very high dollar amount, and, and I was, like, shocked that, that this could happen. Um, but I did write a piece that was dual use <laughs> on, you know, who's aborting the baby of the American conservative? Who's doing that? It's not just women who are part of that process. There's a, there's a other contributor who doesn't get as much credit as they should, and that's why we're talking about it. And, uh, you know, how that influences the overcompensating effort in public policy. So, I just needed to mention it because it doesn't get mentioned very often. If at all. So, uh, with that, I just, I want accountability for you and for others. If you have any suggestions for guests or for um, topic articles that are good for the unsanctioned citizen, I think I had one other piece. Okay, this is a piece by Aaron Mate, and Mate is a straight, straight player, meaning he, he just puts the facts on the table and lets you figure it out um, when it comes to war coverage. So this is Aaron Mate. Biden's corruption led to Ukraine's destruction, former Kiev diplomat. There is no bartering this. This is a Kiev diplomat from Ukraine who has decided to tell the truth about what Zelensky's done. Former Ukrainian diplomat and political insider Andrei Teleshenko, now under U.S. sanctions. He's under U.S. sanctions on what he says are false grounds speaks out. Former Ukrainian government official and diplomat Andrei Teleshenko joins Aaron Mate to discuss how, in his view, powerful U.S. figures, including Joe Biden, have used Ukraine for personal corruption and geopolitical aim of bleeding Russia, 
all to the detriment of Ukrainians. Kalashenko worked for the Ukrainian Prosecutor General's office in Kiev before moving to Ukraine's U.S. Embassy in 2015. He went on to work for Blue Star Strategies, a Democrat-run lobbying firm that represented Burisma, uh, the Ukrainian gas company that appointed Biden... Biden's son, Hunter, to a lucrative board seat. Uh, it is a sidebar note that Cindy Sheehan has a substack now, and she did publish a piece on the news of a $10 million bribe scheme uh, in the Biden family. I just wanted to mention it. There is a history here that just seems to be consecutively emerging Teloshenko, who co- cooperated with Rudy Giuliani's effort to dig up information about the Biden's alleged corruption in Ukraine, has been sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department for, quote, having directly or indirectly engaged in, sponsored, concealed, or otherwise been complicit in foreign influence in a United States election. He addresses that allegation and much more in this interview. So I'll have the link for you here. Welcome. Well, we can't do it. It's an hour and 23 minutes long. It competes with my own program. So I'm going to have to put it in the link section. But that's, you heard the music. It's smooth jazz. Thank you for listening. Um, We'll be back here next week in the afternoon. Reporting and writing for you. Uh, SheilaMDean.substack.com We have left Colin for our news pieces. But we are still corresponding with them. And I, I just want you to know that there's no hate there. I just can't do news there. So with that, I'm going to use my tagline. Good old standard. You know, everybody has power, especially you. So come see us next week. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.